Yes, moving forward. That's the title of my message today. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to join in with us. Acts chapter 8 is our text. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8, and while you're opening up on your tablet, your phone, or your, your actual handheld Bible here, I want to welcome everybody that's here today, and Steve and Amy again, the group from uh, 105.9. God bless y'all. Delighted that y'all are here. Y'all are our guest. We want you to feel welcome and at home here. Speaking of guests, every uh, Sunday, and my son Layton was telling me last week, I think we had more guests ever as far as we can remember, online at Great Hills Baptist Church, like 455 people worshiping with us, which is crazy, which is so cool. And so I want to shout out to you guys that are joining us on Facebook and YouTube and our Instagram, as well as our uh, Great Hills Baptist Church live stream channel. So thank you guys for worshiping with us. Now, we would love for you, if you're close, you know, within... 800 miles or so, if you're close to Austin, we would love for you to come worship with us. So exciting, the things that God is doing in our midst as we're worshiping Him and really seeking to make a difference in our community, as was referenced earlier, really trying to touch this community. I'm excited about our next Saturday impact. We'll be coming up in a few weeks. We have some great opportunities uh, to reach out. But again, if you're new or if you're a guest to Great Hills, my name is Danny Forshe. I'm pastor here. been the pastor here almost 10 years. My wife, Ashley, and I love Austin, and we love, love, love Great Hills Baptist Church. So, y'all ready to study God's Word today? Woo, me too. My God is awesome. Man, I'm telling you, that song is just all over me. I just can't. Okay, just let me breathe, all right? All right, Acts chapter 8, we're going to read. Uh, well, let's start again in verse 1 in just a moment. And last week, we only got through verses 1, 2, and 3. And so today, we'll pick up where we left off last week. We're in a verse-by-verse -verse study, an exegetical study, an in-depth study on Sunday mornings in the book of Acts in just a few weeks, goodness, in June, Ashley and I are looking so forward to going overseas to Greece and Thessaloniki and Philippi, and we're even going to go into Patmos, we're going to go to Ephesus, and we're going to retrace a lot of the places that we're going to study uh, in our study in the book of Acts. And so many of you have already signed up to go with us, that's awesome. We still have a few more seats left. They tell me the flights at uh, February 15th. If you're going, you got to sign up before February 15th to guarantee you have a flight to get over there with us. I can't wait to retrace these very places that we get to study uh, in the book of Acts. So here it goes, verse 1, now Saul, we know who he is, right? Saul of Tarsus, uh, who would also become the Apostle Paul, he was consenting to his death. Now, the antecedent there for his, we've been studying this, would be Stephen, the first Christian martyr, right? Remember that? At that time, a great persecution, not a mild one, not a small one, but a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. The church had been gathered in Jerusalem, but now, after Stephen's martyrdom, the Bible clearly tells us, I tell you, Luke is an amazing doctor. He's a first-rate historian. He has eyewitnesses, and he is telling us precisely what is happening. He's telling us how the church exploded in growth. He said, what was the catalytic moment? Was it some, you know, is there some sweet experience? And no, it was a very difficult, painful experience, and that was the catalytic moment that catapulted the early church out of Jerusalem so that they could do what Jesus said they would do in Jerusalem, you with me, Judea, 
Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. So here we go. They scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And they stayed back in Jerusalem. And devout men, they carried Stephen to his burial, and they made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc. And we looked at that luminamoi word, that Greek word. It's a very interesting word. We looked at that word last week. Remember, that's the only time in the entire Greek New Testament that word is translated havoc. It can mean to ravage. It can mean to rip apart. It can mean to destroy. And that's what Saul was doing, right? You said, wait a minute, is that the same guy that would write was it 14 or 13 or 14 books in our 27 books in the New Testament? Yes, that's him. But you mean he is there consenting to Stephen's death and he's the same. Let me tell you something. My God is awesome. I'm telling you, God can take somebody like that and God can save them and change them and radically use them for the glory of God and the expansion of the kingdom of God. So please don't tell me. I tell you, I get very, very impatient when people tell me, oh, I can never come to your church or I could never, I could never be used of God. And I said, have you killed anybody lately? You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. Our God is awesome God who forgives, who cleanses, and gives us not only a second chance, somebody help me, a third, fourth, a hundredth chances, right? That's who he is. Now Saul, now some of y'all are looking at me like, brother, you're going to keep talking like that. We'll never get through. No wonder y'all been in, in a year in the book of Acts. You haven't even finished eight chapters. I know, I know. As for Saul, he made havoc of the ecclesia of the church, entering every house, come on now, every house he could find, dragging off men and women committing them uh, to prison. And that was the pain. That's what we looked at last week, the pain of persecution. This is Saul. And he is determined to obliterate every residue of Christianity. Why? Because he is a legalist. He is a Pharisee above all Pharisees. He is determined. He is making a name for himself. I think he has his eyes on doing, maybe even reaching to the, the height of the Sanhedrin. And so Saul... You know, I found that some of the most dangerous people in the world are religious people thinking that they're doing God a favor by killing you, right? And whether that's Islamic jihadism or, or some other radical Hindu group or whatever the group may be. I mean, they even may name the name of Christ, but if, they are, if their name and their fame is to obliterate and to destroy, then that is, not of, that is not of God. And Saul thought he was of God, but he wasn't. So we looked at some of that, that pain of persecution. But God, he does his best work when the night is the darkest. And we don't think he's, maybe we don't even think he's looking. We don't even think, maybe, maybe God's forgotten me. And Stephen, surely as he is being pummeled with rocks and he's dying a martyr's death, little did Stephen know that in the shadow of his martyrdom, there was a man consenting to his death, but in the providence and the sovereignty of God and the power of God and in just the anointing of God, he would take that man named Saul and he would save him, he would break him, and he would use him to become the greatest of all missionaries, the greatest of all theologians, the greatest of all apostles. That's right, that guy, Saul. So here's my point. Moving forward is the title of the message. And just when we think we're moving backward, just when we think we're losing ground, just when we think the, God's maybe forgotten about us or times are the hardest, it could very well be that God is up to something amazing. 
We just can't stop. We just can't say, oh, well, I mean, I'm just going to suck on some lemons and just curl up in the fetal position. I'm just going to die because life is just awful and terrible. And even God has forgotten me and I'm even mad. And I'm even angry at God. And I would just say, don't do that. Stephen did not do that. He could have done that. But y'all remember what he did? He said, oh, my, my, my. As y'all are killing me, I am seeing Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, I submit to you today, God does his greatest work when the night is the darkest. When we are at our lowest, God is doing awesome, amazing things. So, that was my sermon last week. That was free for those of you that missed. So, we've caught you up. Now, we're ready to go into points two and three. This will be the platform of persecution and the, and the productivity of persecution. So let's, uh, okay, yeah, this is a great text. And when the blood of your martyr, Stephen, this is Saul sharing his testimony later on. When his blood was shed, I was standing there consenting to his death. This is Saul speaking, 22, 20, Paul. And I guarded the clothes of those who were killing him. Okay. Another verse I wanted to share with you is first, um, or 2 Timothy 3, 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, not perchance, perhaps, or maybe, but if we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer a, a persecution. So the pain of persecution. But let's look at verses 4 and 5, back to our text in Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5 and talk about something of the platform of persecution. And you say, well, that, that sounds very ironic. That sounds very uh, contradictory, even an onomatopoeia. What do you mean platform and persecution? When I think of persecution, I think of destruction. I, I think of, you know, the difficult times in my life. But watch this. Look at verse 4. Mm. Therefore, those who were scattered, they went. Church, would you all say that word with me? I'm just everywhere. On the count of three, say that word. It starts with an E. Okay, let me count to three first. Okay, ready? <laughs> One, two, three, everywhere. Those who were scattered, not the apostles, remember they stayed home in Jerusalem, but the Philips of the world, the deacons of the world, the lay people of the world, they went everywhere, uangolitsoma, preaching the word. Preaching here is euangelizo. It's where you transliterate it right out of Greek into English, and it is the word evangelism. They went out from Jerusalem, not, not begrudgingly or not mad at God or angry at God, but they saw this as an opportunity. And so they went out everywhere and they preached the word of God. Verse 5, now Philip, now we've seen him earlier. We're going to be reintroduced to Philip, a good deacon, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, a man with the favor of God. Acts chapter 6, he went down to the city of Samaria and he karuks, not uangelizomai, not, not that word, but this is a totally different Greek word. It's, it means to herald. It means somebody who has significant news. And so Philip went down to the city of Samaria and there... Philip preached Christ to them. So the platform that God used for them to proclaim the resurrected Christ, the catalytic moment was this whole martyrdom of, of Stephen. I like what John MacArthur says at this point. He says, all the scattered believers were involved in evangelism. Hmm. 
All Christians are called to proclaim Christ. Satan's persecution promoted the very thing it was designed to destroy. It fired the believers with new zeal to proclaim the gospel in new areas, end of quote. So Philip's an interesting guy. We, we saw him earlier. He is not one of the apostles in Acts chapter 6. I believe this is the Genesis moment of the diaconate, the deacon ministry. The words actually used in Acts chapter 6 translated uh, ministry or servant. And so Philip, I just, I just love the way Luke just picks up on this. He's a great historian. He goes, oh, let me do an expose right quick on Philip. Philip he goes from waiting tables, right? That's what he was doing. He's taking care of the dispute between the Hebrew and the Greek uh, widows. And, and because of persecution, he, he leaves Jerusalem and he goes north and he goes to a place called Samaria. Now, while he is in Samaria, he preaches the word of God. And the Bible says, look, look at verse six, multitudes, multitudes of people heeded the things spoken by Philip they heard and saw the miracles that he did. Now, check this out. Oh, I, could, I just couldn't wait to share this with you. Okay. All right. So John chapter four is the story of when Jesus told the disciples, hey guys, we're not going to take the circuitous route. We're not going to go cross over the Jordan River, bypass Samaria and get up into Galilee. And they're probably thinking, why Jesus? Why are we going to go through Samaria? I mean, those people, you know, the Samaritans and Jesus said, okay, boys, watch this. We're going to go right through Samaria, because I must pass that way. Okay, John chapter four, real quick history lesson. Y'all remember what happened? He talks to the woman at the well, and Jesus tells her things that nobody knew about her. She gets saved. She surrenders her heart and her life to Jesus. Watch this. She runs into the city. She goes, come now, people. I'm telling you, I have met somebody. He spoke things to me nobody else knew. I felt, I felt the power of God in his life. Could it be that he is the Messiah? And so the people say, well, I don't know. Let's go check him out. And so Jesus comes into Samaria. I bet the disciples are going, oh, my word. I mean, our forefathers roll over in their grave if they knew that we're hanging out with the half-breeds. That's what they called them. Because when Solomon died in 930 B.C., after he died, the, the Old Testament tells us that the northern tribes, they were 10 north, two to the south. Later on, the Assyrians come in with Sennacherib in 722 B.C., and they destroy they destroy Israel, and they deport them out into Assyria. And so they left some of them, Jews there, and then they brought other people from all the surrounding nations. They put them in Jerusalem. The Jews married some of the pagan nations, and they were called half-breeds or Samaritans. That's the history. There's a lot of bitterness, a lot of racism, a lot of prejudice going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. But come now. Jesus didn't have anything to do with that. He is... He is so pure. He's so awesome. There's not a drop of racist blood in his body. He loved all people. Come on now. Aren't you glad that God loves everybody? He loves you. He loves me. Jesus died for the sins of the world. And so, okay, okay, back to the story. Ready? Samaritans are going, oh, this sounds great. The lady's like, yes, he is great. He's amazing. Amazing. Could it be? So they come. John chapter 4, Jesus speaks to them. And John chapter 4 says, many heard him and believed. But in Acts chapter 8, it says, and multitudes believed in him and were saved. 
Do you anybody know the difference between many and multitudes? <laughs> Somebody said a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm not good at arithmetic or mathematics, but I'm telling you, that is the answer. Could it be when Jesus blazed that trail through Samaria, the disciples probably going, what in the world is he, what are we doing here? Why is he talking to her? And Jesus is blazing this trail, probably persecuted, people laughing at him, and, and some are being saved. And then after Stephen's martyrdom and Philip goes in, it says multitudes are being saved. So here's the, here's the thing. God is working when we don't think he's working. He's orchestrating things. He is sovereignly the master chess player. He's putting the pieces. I'm about to, get, I'm about to start crying because I know what's coming. I know what I'm about to say. Lord, just help me say it. He's masterfully putting the pieces in place. Sometimes the moment that just thrust us into great spheres of ministry will be hardship, will be persecution, maybe the death of a loved one, maybe a divorce. It may be a bankruptcy. It may be where the devil will do his dead level best to take you out. But instead of you going out, God comes to you right where you are and he pulls you up and he says, watch this. I'm going to do an amazing work through you so that everybody will have to say, my God is awesome. That's, that's what God does. God has the ability to do that. So I say to you, don't quit. Don't look back. You know, the devil has a bunch of us looking at the rear view mirror, at little things about that big. Y'all with me? And all you can see is what's coming in the past, what's behind. Listen, if you drive like that a lot, you're going to have a wreck and die. You can't look at the rear view mirror. And God would have us to look at the open windshield of the future and what's coming. And here's what's coming, Great Hills, revival. A movement of God in this place. So, oh, wait a minute, Brother Dan. You know, I know prophet. You just barely a preacher from Alabama. Wait, what are you saying? You got, no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The good seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ is faithfully sown at 10,500 Jollyville. Watch what God will do. He's going to do amazing things. Now, like you, I hope I'm around to see it, right? Don't, don't you, wouldn't you love to see it? Great Hills Baptist Church, man, they're in revival. They're in 18 worship services on Sunday morning. Isn't that amazing, you know? I may not get to see that. But in heaven, I will rejoice. I'll say, God, I had a little bitty part to do. We sowed the good seed of the gospel. And oftentimes, Lord, it, it, we threw it on very rocky, stony, difficult, hard ground. But God says, watch this. Some of that seed, some of that seed, it fell on fertile ground. You know what that does to me? Terry, I'm telling you, it makes me move forward. It makes me step into the blessings of God. It makes me say, God, thank you for Great Hills. Thank you for the good things that you've done. And praise God, we're debt free. But God, could it be that the greatest days of ministry and years are still in the future? I choose to believe that. Even on Monday mornings, I'm choosing to believe, stepping forward. Mm, 
God is awesome. Let me find out where I am in my notes here. There it is. Good, good. You know, I love history and I love seeing parallels in what goes on in people's lives, how it applies to us today. 1863, Abraham Lincoln on the train to Gettysburg. There's a debate, and I've read uh, Donald Linton's books. It's an excellent book on the life and times of Abraham Lincoln. Donald Herbert Donald is his name, David Donald. Okay, he's on the train. He's going to Gettysburg. 1863, y'all remember the years of the Civil War? That would be 1861, help me, to 65. 1863 is in the middle, in the heat of it. I mean, President Lincoln, how would you like to be him at that time? Horrible, horrible time in the life of our nation. And so he's going to write the Gettysburg Address. He writes it, only takes him a few minutes, and he sits there as the President of the United States. This, this guy and this orator named Edward Everett gets up, now watch this, he speaks for two solid hours. Y'all don't have it so bad after all, do you? I mean, just, we just get 45 minutes here, but he spoke for two. I, I mean, how does that make the president of the United States feel? He's sitting there waiting for this guy to, to be quiet. He gets up and Lincoln gives his speech. It lasts only a few minutes. Man, was he criticized. One critic said this, the president made some silly remarks today. The Chicago Times said it was a perversion. His speech was a perversion of history so flagrant with, that the most extended charity cannot regard it as otherwise than willful. In other words, he was saying, I don't like it. I thought it was awful. Lincoln himself said, I don't think that was a really good speech. I, I, it didn't move the crowd at all. But the harshest criticisms came from those who were so angry that he quoted the Declaration of Independence, which says all men are created equal. When he said that, he lost a lot of people because in that day and age, many believed that not all people were created equal. But then he quoted a pastor. Not many people know this. Do y'all know that great phrase, of the people, for the people, by the people? Lincoln stole that from a pastor. I, I thought that was pretty cool. The pastor was preaching. His name was Theodore Parker. He was referencing his King James Bible. He was sharing a message, and somehow Abraham Lincoln heard the sermon. He incorporated the pastor's sermon into the Gettysburg Address when he talked about uh, this, this nation is for the people, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And now we look back. And we say, after time has passed and wounds have been healed, people raise it. I was reading the Gettysburg Address just again this morning. I was reading it going, oh my word, what a masterpiece. But Lincoln couldn't see it at the time, could he? Because he was being persecuted. Times were hard. Days were long and difficult. And yet God was doing his great, great work in the life of our 16th president, probably when he thought he was being a total failure. So that's the platform. Oftentimes, the wood 
that God uses to construct a mighty platform on which his people will preach and teach the word of God, that platform has a name and it's called persecution or difficulty or travail or hardship, depression, despondency, call it what you want, all right? God does his greatest work when the night is the darkest. All right, number three is the productivity of persecution. Let's look at verses six through eight. And then we'll wrap it up, verses six through eight. And the multitudes went, or with one accord, they heeded. That means they obeyed the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. All right, this is gonna get kind of radical for us Baptists. All right, right? demons gonna be flying out of people. I mean, it's got healings and exorcisms. It's gonna be, it's gonna be on, right? For unclean spirits cried out with loud voices and they came out of people who were possessed there in Samaria. And many who were paralyzed they, and lame, they were healed. And there was great mourning and fear and trepidation and difficulty in all the city. Amen. No, no. There was mega lay. That's where we get that English word mega. There was mega what? Say it with me, church. Joy. There was great joy in that city. So here's the productivity that comes from persecution. Multitudes heard and heeded the message of Philip. If you're taking notes in your, in your outline, we're on point three. We're doing the one through three thing. Here it is. Number one, multitudes heard and they heeded the message of Philip. Now, in your Bibles, if you want to take a moment in verse six, and where it says the things spoken by Philip, can I tell y'all what that was? You say, well, the, the Bible doesn't tell us, Danny. How, how are you going to tell us? And the Bible doesn't tell us. I can tell you. Because it says the things spoken by Philip was the kerygma. It was the kerygmatic preaching of the early church. C.H. Dodd wrote a whole book on it. He went through and found the salient features of the messages, the sermons preached in the book of Acts, and they all have the same outline to them. And I'm gonna give it to you, you ready? Philip preached, number one, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. This is what Philip would preach. Number two, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived a perfect life. He was a sinless human being, God come in the person of a human, Jesus Christ, he never sinned, he never did anything wrong, and he healed people, he cast out demons, he raised the dead, he, he taught us these amazing sermons, and this is the message that Philip is preaching in Samaria just a few months, maybe a couple years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Point number three, Jesus died on a cross, he was buried, placed in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, God Almighty raised him from the dead. I'm here to tell you, Philip is preaching the resurrected Christ. Not only that, not only did he rise from the dead, but he appeared to many of his people. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 3, he preached the kingdom of God to many, all right? And then he ascended back to the Father. Now, I think I'm on point four or five. Y'all stay with me. Therefore, repent, believe in Jesus. He is God's solution. He is God's remedy. Jesus himself said, I am the way, 
I love you, Lord. You are awesome. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven except they come through me. My blood shed for you. That's what Philip preached. And then he said, repent, believe in Jesus Christ. Because here it comes. He's coming back. He says, he, he is coming again. So Philip, he preaches this and multitudes heard him. Number two, miracles were performed. I'm talking exorcisms, physical healings, and I mean, some of these dramatic signs and, and wonders, and, and, and Philip's faithful. He, is, he, he went from waiting on tables and taking care of the dispute between the, the upset ladies, the widows, and now he's preaching and multitudes of people are coming into the kingdom and people are being healed and demons. I like what C.S. Lewis said about demons. Yeah, I believe in demons. He's like, yes, I do believe in demons. C.S. Lewis says demons are very adaptive to every society they are at home, whether it is in our Western world or in the third world, demonic activity is something that is very real. I believe, and I've shared this many times from this pulpit, I really believe Here's, I don't want to talk about them too much because here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is stronger. And the Son of God has power to speak it. And so Philip's preaching. He said, well, Brother Danny, he, he preached the same message you preached. That's right. That's right. That's all I got. That's all I have is the gospel of Jesus Christ who is mighty to save and so demons are flying out of people, people being raised up and things are happening. You say, well, man, I'd like to be a part of that church. That church is on fire. It's growing. And it did. The church in Samaria is flourishing. He said, but we don't see that as much today. I need to take you to some of the places that I go around the world. They do see stuff like this today. Yeah, but, you know, we're in a tough time, Brother Dan. I mean, churches are struggling. You know that there are many nuns as there are evangelicals and Catholics in, the war, in, in America today? By the way, that's not N-U-N-S. That's N-O-N-E-S. Do y'all know we have hit that, that spot in our world today, in our America today, that there are as many people who have no affiliation with anybody's church as there are those of us? See, I know. How does that make you feel, Brother Nam? You're, you're preaching the Word, and, and man, times are hard, and we just don't see just like those revivals and those things that God has done in the past. You know, has God forgotten us? I mean, I mean, maybe it's, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is God holding out on us? No. No, I, I was on a podcast this week. A group in Atlanta was asking me, they say, well, what do you tell preachers? Because it's, it's hard, Brother Dan. You know it's a tough time for churches. One of the presidents of our seminary said, if I was a pastor of a mega church, I'd get a for sale sign and put it out in the yard and say it's for sale. That's what he said. Because times, they are changing. Things are getting dark. Times are difficult. So what do we do? We just, oh, no, no, no. What do we do? I told them on this podcast, what do you tell pastors, Brother Danny? They're struggling. They're not, not seeing many people. Here's what I told them. I said, keep sharing the gospel. Don't you dare stop sharing the gospel. That is our only hope. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So can I just share a couple things? Y'all, I know it's 12 o'clock, but I, I, this, is, this just blessed me so much. 
And I hope you don't judge me. I hope you don't say, boy, he just thinks he's something up there. I don't think I'm nothing. I'm just telling you. There's a seventh grader in Dallas, Texas. He's probably watching. My son, Bryant, disciples him. Some of y'all know that Bryant is our middle child, and he's the junior high pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church. He has more people in his ministry than I had in my whole church when I served as a pastor. Bryant personally disciples this young man named Landon. Every night, he listens to my podcast before he goes to bed. And he says, Bryant, tell your dad that was a good one. 170 podcasts. He's listened to every one of them. I had no idea. I got an email the other day from a lady, Brother Terry. Um, Darlene attends First Baptist Church, Lavaca, where you and I served before we came here 10 years ago. What in the world? Just 10 years ago. And she said, Brother Danny, I thought I'd just let you know that Ken, my son, I know you like to run. I know you like these triathlons and marathons and stuff. I just want to tell you a little bit about my son. My son, he's a little more crazy than you are. He is running eight marathons in eight days on eight continents. <laughs> you say, I didn't know there were eight continents. I didn't either. But evidently, Zealandia, Zealandia is now classified as a continent by some. So, no, seriously. From January 21 to 28, Ken started in New Zealand. He will end up in Antarctica. Isn't that cool? Christine and Gary Jones, come on, let's, let's do this thing. I know I've lost my mind. I'm, I mean, that's eight marathons in eight days. And she said, I thought you'd like to know, he sent me a text on the flight, and this is what he wrote to me, my son, Ken. I've never met Ken. This is what he wrote. As I start this amazing journey today around the world, Pastor Danny, who just did the Disney Dopey Challenge, I thought, that's me. I did that. The Disney Dopey Challenge, he feeds me, and it's the last sermon in my heart. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Blessings. And that's what he sent. I had no idea. I had no idea. This guy on an airplane flying over to, to do these marathons, he said, this is the last sermon that I'm, that I'm going to hear, and it has to do with John 3. And that was one of my podcasts I did on John 3, 16. Can, can I just say this? We may not see it. We may never read about it. But when we're faithful to God, God does what only God can do. He does miracles. He can move mountains. Heals me when I'm broken. My God, it's awesome. Last thing I want to share with you and we're done. Mega joy permeated the city in Samaria. Not just a little joy, but watch this. Great joy early church, suffering persecution. God gathered them out in Jerusalem, scattered them to Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. And that moment that God used was the death of, we, we think, we think all is lost. We're not winning. The church is not as strong as she used to be in years gone by. What has happened? It could be, it could be that God is about to do an unprecedented work. A miracle above all miracles. And I just want to, God, please, let me just see a little of it. Let me see a little. The last thing I want to share with you, and, 
And I had you share it out loud a moment ago, but the Holy Spirit has reminded me to say it again. And it's in verse 4 where it says, And those who were scattered went everywhere. Can you imagine what Austin, Texas would look like if all the believers and all the churches, we went everywhere speaking the gospel? encouraging people wherever they were. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I encourage you? And, and, and what if we did that, Great Hills? No, come on. Well, what if today, when we leave this place, wherever we go, we just stop and we just pray with people, encourage people, or invite people to, to Great Hills Baptist Church? We did this the other day, didn't we, Leighton, Danielle? You are buying a new home. And I think that's so cool, by the way. And the young lady who helped us yesterday, and Leo and Sophia and Ashley and I are there with Leighton and Danielle. This is a cool thing. They're buying a house. Man, y'all are a tight family. Y'all even go to the paper signing. Yeah, we do. I'm proud of that. And we're just sitting there. And I said, well, ma'am, can we just pray for you? And she said, well, yeah, sure. Can we um, invite you to our church? Well, yeah, sure. And so we prayed over her. And the lady who does the real estate is helping them. She said it, but Leighton and Danielle couldn't hear her say it, but she says, that couple's my goals. Y'all know what that means? That's cool talk, y'all, for I want that. I want what they've got in their life. So come on, Great Hills. Who's our one this week? Who are we going to go out and talk to? Speaking the Word of God everywhere we go. Maybe you're here today, Mm-mm, especially you're here today. Let me, let me talk to you just a minute. You ready? Here it comes. You're down, defeated. You're in the doldrums. You sense all is lost, pain, suffering, difficulty. It could very well be God is up to something big. Don't quit. Don't give up. What's the title of the sermon? Is it moving backward or what? Moving forward, moving onward. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ. Mm, The gospel is for you. Jesus loves you. He loves me. He died. He arose from the dead. And we trust in him and say, yes, Lord, be my king. Come into my life. Bam! Shazam! I mean, it happens. Holy Spirit of God comes into you and you are born again saved. Are y'all okay with that? Are you, are you still okay being saved and on your way to heaven? If so, why don't you stand up? Why don't you just stand up? So, oh, goodness, honey, woke me up from my nap. What's going on? Where's everybody going? Hey, what's happening? Just go ahead and stand up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it, and then I want y'all just to fill in the blank, all right? My God is awesome. Woo, I love it. My God is awesome. We're going to sing. I don't know what we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song. It's not that one. I sure like that one. If we did that every Sunday, it's fine with me. Oh, I got another one, Terry. <laughs> every praise to our God, every word of worship. Okay, Terry, I got to plant that seed in there. We can do that one. Maybe you're here today and you'd come receive Christ as your Savior. Or you're here and you're just hurt, broken, discouraged. You say, well, I don't feel... I don't feel as good as far as coming forward, you know, I don't, all the lights, the camera and the people, I'm just not, I'm just not into that as much. Well, what if we offered it if you went backwards? Is that okay? Jessica, is that all right if we do that? Would you help me do that? All right, so Jessica, um, Maddie, why don't y'all help? Why don't y'all go to the back of the church, okay? Anybody else? uh, Let me see anybody I can call. Jennifer, why don't you head to the 
to the, to the back of the church. Any guys that are open to maybe praying with some people as they go? Guys, this means, yeah, pastor, I'm good. All right, I see you, Daniel. God bless you. Fred Erickson, going in the back. He said, where are those people going? I want to go with them. They're leaving. That looks fun. What? <laughs> no, really. So, so maybe you don't feel as comfortable coming up here, but maybe you just feel comfortable going out in the back and just saying, man, God spoke to my heart. Would you just, would you just pray with me? I'm kind of shy. I'm a kind of an introverted person, and I just would rather somebody just kind of in the shadows, just kind of talk to me and pray with me. Y'all good with that? Man, I'm excited. Lord, thank you. We get, to, we get to extend an invitation for people to be saved. We get a chance to love on those that are hurting. God, whether it's in the back of the church, the front of the church, or if they just stand right in their spot. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Please give help. Give healing. Most of all, God, I just pray, pray, pray in Jesus' name. Hope would be restored where there's darkness and pain and where there's defeat and where the white flag's about to be jettisoning the sky, the flag of surrender, God, pull it down and replace it with joy. God, replace it with hope. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry, you lead us, brother. God bless you.